Hello, everybody out there in podcast world. This is Manuel James Delgado, and you are listening to Life on Mission, powered by Pace. And I'm super excited uh, to to start this uh, podcast, Life on Mission. I, I know a lot of people out there listening maybe have thought about missions, maybe have been on a short-term mission trip. And hopefully what you get out of this the podcast today and all the future ones is, you know, what does it really mean to live a life on mission and having a kingdom-centric mentality behind that? So before we go deeper into that and what this podcast is, is going to bring you, I just want to quickly introduce uh, my very first or our very first uh, guest here on, on, on the podcast. We got uh, uh, a tag team of Pauls. Hello, gentlemen. Yep. Hello. Oh, this to make it confusing I, for your listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys want to quickly introduce yourself? We'll start with uh, Paul from, from Down Under. Yeah, well, Paul Bartlett from Australia. See if you can pick the difference between the two Pauls. Um, I'm, from the, I'm, I'm the one that came from the land where the other Paul sent us to. Uh, yeah, right. Ago, so that's how he speaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I was a senior pastor of a church for nearly 25 years been in that church for since I was 11 years of age, became the pastor oh of that church, um, uh, lead uh, at a higher level, I guess, just in our movement, the Australian Christian Churches, which is the largest Pentecostal movement in Australia. So I'm the state president for New South Wales, uh, with about 330 churches there in New South Wales. And then I'm, I'm a bit of a, a title hog, obviously, because I'm the national president for um, uh, community engagement for our whole movement, which puts me over about 1,100 wow. churches, helping them Amazing. more effectively engage their community. Married for, to a beautiful wife, Annette, 36 years, three grown-up kids and three little grandkids. There it is. You go for it. And and I'm really excited to talk to you about basketball later, but not right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I read something about you uh, yeah, coaching yeah. basketball. I, I thought that only existed in the States. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Everything's nice. about uh, America, isn't it? Everything's about America. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> All right. No comment. And, and, uh, and our next uh, guest, he's not really a guest. I mean, this guy is just, he's a legend in maybe in his own thoughts. But uh, yeah, can you just <laughs> briefly give an intro of who you are? What you're all about, Senior Paul. Yes, so uh, I'm Paul Clayton Gibbs, uh, lead Pays, have done for just over 30 years. We founded it in 1992. Uh, Pays is a kind of missionary outfitter for the church. We offer um, gap year apprenticeships for young adults. We've had several thousand on, uh, taking a year out with wow. us over the years. Um, led a church, planted a church, repurposed a church. Very passionate about getting people on mission. Don't have as many titles as Paul, but um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, people won't realise this radio show that I'm far better looking. Um, <laughs> I just don't have the titles. That's the problem. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <That's not. laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I don't have the titles either, but I, I have the looks. Andrew, I can guarantee I'm better looking right. than both of you oh, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, together, we could be awesome. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. For those that are new to to Pace, and, and and obviously this is our first show on podcast, my name is Manuel James Delgado, originally from Southern California. Uh, I went on missions uh, back in, in 2000, uh, early 2000s in Scandinavia, and I've been serving out here ever since. Uh, I'm also married. We've been married for 13 years, living here on the Faroe Islands, where my wife is from. These islands are in the North Atlantic, and um, it's they have an amazing blessing and just um, environment here that is breathtaking and unspeakable of. But we have four kids. We uh, serve in the local church, and we are pioneering pace here in Scandinavia. Right now, we're focusing on Denmark and the Faroe Islands. Yeah. That's wow. a little bit about us three. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. you've died and gone to heaven already, Manny. <laughs> I mean, in, in this dark season, it doesn't feel like it, but you, you come springtime, summertime, autumn time. It is majestic here, let me tell you. <laughs> we also got the northern lights, so I, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's good. It's very good. Gentlemen, um, Paul Gibbs. 
um, we, you, you knew I've been, I've been doing radio. I'm sure all of us have done radio at some sort of capacity. Paul from Aussie, you, you also do a radio show that I've heard about, and you also have a, a couple different podcasts that you're doing uh, are involved with, which is quite awesome. But Paul Gibbs. Um, you, you approached me a while ago and we like brainstormed and thought this would be a really good platform to just get the message out, not only about pace, but about uh, having a kingdom centric mentality. So, you know, if you can just elaborate a little bit more quickly, Paul Gibbs, why have we started this podcast? Yeah, I think it's all about life on mission, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I moved to the States about 20 years ago and, um, not long after Las Vegas had this big publicity campaign. I don't know if it's known around the rest of the world, but it's kind of famous in the States. And it basically said, you know, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And um, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that um, that was the same for mission trips, particularly with young people, you know, whatever happened on mission wow. trips stayed on mission trips. So um, we came over, worked with a lot of young people, young adults, they would go on mission. And they became like different people for two weeks, you know, like selfless, had this kind of crazy relationship with God, amazing things were happening. And then they'd come back to kind of reality. And it was just different. It was like it was like a two week period where they had this intense relationship with God. And it wasn't quite the same when they came back. And I remember um, thinking, you know, we shouldn't really go on mission. We should take mission on tour occasionally. But we should be doing life mm. on mission where we are. And yeah, occasionally we take it on tour, occasionally we go overseas or we go somewhere. But really, it's there's something wrong if we're becoming somebody different when we go somewhere else, right? So yeah, for me, life on mission true. is about, yeah, for me, life on mission is about advancing God's kingdom where you are. And the podcast, in my mind at least, is to equip people with principles and practices and tools and inspiration for those who don't want to simply just think, I'm just going to go to church and behave myself so that God blesses me and make sure I don't get into trouble and, and try and live my best life now. But somebody who actually yeah, really yeah. wants to make a difference and is really inspired and they want that kind of more intense relationship with God where they're seeing miracles and they're seeing amazing things happen in their life, which usually happens when you're kind of on mission, I found. You know, it's God turns up when he has to, right? So you see yeah, God, yeah. experience God when when you when you're out there and you're stepping out in faith so how how does that look like for every day you know when you're at business when you're in school when you're in work what does that look like and and for me just lastly on that it's my experience it may not be your experience Manny or, or Paul but my experience is that in most churches we're told what to do and we're told why we should do it both really important but we're not always told how to do it and I'm hoping that that's what people will gain from the Life on Mission podcast is is more how to do, how to live this life on mission. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I've worked with Paul for now a couple of years. Um, Ozzy, Paul, I haven't worked with you. This is my first time meeting you, but just hearing the dynamics behind your background and what you're doing with the churches and this book just came out. Uh, the next question that I was thinking of is, what are we hoping for with this podcast? And I... I Paul, I can relate in a lot of ways with like, you know, uh, I've worked at mission schools in Denmark and we had some great experiences, but the biggest downfall or problem that we had was their transition into their local churches. They didn't know what to do with what they experienced yeah. because we didn't teach yeah. them the how part. So yeah. uh, I'm excited to go deeper into this and hear what you guys, uh, gentlemen, are doing to like equip them yeah. with the how maybe. Well, it's pretty, it's a pretty, I mean, this is why Paul and I connect. And Paul, I was just trying to think who introduced us to each other, but uh, we're a bit of a kindred spirit there. And uh, in some ways we're unusual, but we're connected because I, I, you know, for all that time as senior pastor, and I think like Paul said, I would agree. And I mean this respectfully, but, but not many senior pastors think like Paul just described because not even their own fault sometimes. I'm in no. the largest denomination movement in Australia and the unsaid pressure is to get people to church, yeah. not so much get them equipped for mission. And yeah. that's, a, that's a challenge. Here's the thing. My natural father, I, my father-in-law was the pastor of the church and I took over the church. I always say that's how you, that's how you get into ministry, marry the pastor's daughter. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but my natural father, actually, who I think influenced me the most, was a great man of God. 
Long story short is he started what's in Australia called Mission Australia. It's one of the largest community organisations. He did that 45 years ago. Mm. And I asked my dad once, what's the one mistake or what's the one thing he would do differently? Because this very much became a Christian organisation, but was parachurch. It was separate to the church. He Mm. said, if I had my time again, I would make sure that all the community work I did came from the church. Excellent. Not trying to get the church to it. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And so so he said that to me 30 years ago, and it made me build everything I'm doing in senior pastoring and leading other churches. It makes me – look, sometimes the church frustrates me and I want to run away from it. But I listen <laughs> to my dad's voice because he said reaching the community doesn't work outside of the local church. because 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 you know but it's frustrating so what i want to do i could probably do a better job reaching the community without the church sometimes um but what i know is god has established his church and it's our job as paul said to turn people towards the mission field that they think about themselves as the church not themselves attending the church so i reckon if we can mobilize people um I, like Paul, I'm about to start my own ministry called Mobilize. So we're going to mobilize Christians toward mission. And right. that's why Paul and I will be working together till we go to heaven, I'd say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the Faroe Islands, you're moving over here then? Yeah. Well, after you described it, <laughs> while, while Paul was talking, I was Googling air, air tickets. What are you talking about? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. <laughs> I, I love what you're uh, focusing on here. Uh, Paul, because uh, I, I really wanted to hear your personal journeys and and actually what inspired you. But obviously, it, it was your your father, your natural father's inspiration and the community work that he's doing. Do you want to yeah, add look, anything and to I, that? I, I was a I, my, I'm a very practical person, so I was actually a carpenter builder uh, for a, a okay. number of years before I was a pastor. I call it the messianic complex. You know, trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I actually left to go into ministry around 30 as well. So you know. Uh, some of my non-Christian friends said, hey, at 33, just don't go near any wooden crosses. They thought I was really trying to uh, mimic Jesus. Uh, but I think because I'm practical, I couldn't stand I couldn't stand being in church where messages kept giving me the why and the what and never the how. And yeah. here's, how, here's how I think about it. Because I'm a tradesman, for 25 years in my church, I preached with this thought in mind. How do I get the plumber that's hiding in the back corner of my church, sitting there because his wife made him to come to church? How mm-hmm, do I teach mm-hmm. him how to experience God on a building site? Yeah, that was come my on. goal. And so when and? I when I learned to do <laughs> that, so I didn't. I wasn't trying to teach the evangelist or the apostle or the missionary. No. I was trying to teach the everyday Christian to reach people in their everyday life. That's my, that was my goal. That's good. So that continues to be my passion. Nice. Very good. Mr. Gibbs, you've been doing PACE. We we celebrated 30 years. Uh, What an amazing accomplishment. Uh, uh, I'm sure you got loads of stories, but what what sparked it all? What, What ignited this passion to just, you know, invest your whole life and family into this thing called PACE? So I, I often talk about the fact that um, like a week or two after I became a Christian, um, which was really a step of faith. I hadn't heard the gospel before that, yeah. but I believed it. I, I, kinda, I didn't really fully understand it, but I believed it. And a couple of weeks later, I, I prayed for the skin disease that I had and it disappeared. And it disappeared within days when it was supposed to take months or, or if not years. My mum was a nurse and that's what she she told me. So it was this reality that okay so this is true you know the bible's the bible's true god's real heaven's reality but then also well that therefore means that the bible's true and um the devil's real and hell's reality and just that yeah that absolute belief and, and, and this may sound controversial i don't know how many evangelical christians really believe that i, I know we're all supposed to but i don't know how many of us really do as in my next door neighbor the only way they go to heaven is through jesus i need to tell them so that was me i'm i'm like paul and i are very similar in that we're quite practical people yeah so what do i do about that so 
and where's the best place to go to help people and I didn't know that, but God led me into um, connecting with schools and we have a way that we partner with schools in an appropriate way around the world. So there's different rules and regulations. Um, we, we never cross boundaries that we're not supposed to cross, but in certain places, there's lots of opportunities for us to share our faith. So that's what happened. So I ended up just sharing my yeah. faith in those places and then pace started because there was so much interest out there. And I'm, again, hopefully this keeps coming through we really believe both paul and i really believe in the local church and so i really wanted to get these people who wanted to know more about jesus into local church they wouldn't go unless they knew someone uh, and and i think that's one of the, the, the downfalls we have is you know we have these great speakers who we can attract but the reality is most people won't go to church or will go to church if they're invited by somebody they know uh, and yeah. uh, it's that human relationship right that's so key so the way to multiply yeah. and for me see revival is not me being a great speaker or someone being a great speaker that attracts, but how do we mobilize lots of people in all these different situations to connect with people? And so it started for me, it started with schools ministry and then realizing it's all about relational bridges. It's all about building a relationship with people. But most people who are in those places don't know how to share their faith don't yeah, are not so equipped. Are, are not equipped. They're only equipped to bring people to church, but the church does not necessarily equip them to bring, you know, their their faith into their workplace or in their school in a mm-hmm. practical, normal way that makes sense to people. So, yeah. yeah. So we progressed. You know, pay started in schools, but now we're with our academy program. We're training young people in. You know, we just opened something where every youth ministry in the world can access our materials for free to mobilize the young people because I find that young people, um, they, they want a challenge and they want a vision. And so yeah. Yeah, that's what we're about. And then with the allies program, what we're trying to do is, is mobilize churches and help churches do the same thing. So for me, it's very personal. I saw God heal me and it, it wasn't healing that brought me to God because I came, became Christian. Um, before that, it was, it was that God brought me healing. And and that's where I want to really get across to people, you know. That's so good. I like that. I I remember hearing of a few different scenarios, and I think that's why it's so good that we're here to mobilize. Uh, yeah. I think it was you, Paul, that said that you went to this really nice youth venue, and it maybe it could have seated you know six seven hundred youth. It was it was dynamic, had all of the state of the art stuff. It was beautiful, right? But at the same time, you and teams, you were reaching thousands of youth yeah. every week. Yeah, yeah that, I know <laughs> what like you mean. We, I, won't, I won't mention where it was, but yeah, it actually had an auditorium that reached 12,000. It cost millions of wow. dollars, millions of wow. dollars to build. Very and, fancy. And, but I remember thinking, we're reaching 70,000 young people, <laughs> but, and we're running it on a few thousand pounds in England, you know? So it just didn't yeah. make sense to me. It just didn't make any... I mean, it was wonderful, but I thought, this place does not make sense. If you put that money into I, equipping yeah. the saints... Wow, we could reach exactly. so much more people, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm all for like having a a great, a, a great venue to do a lot of different things in. It's, you know, it's it's yeah. half of the work, right? You know, yeah. having a great place for people to come and join and celebrate and use that place for different type of resources and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, we've both learned um, that you know Jesus, he used most of his time being invited to places. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so we're always telling well, our youth, we're always telling our people, we're training them to help invite them to come into our church building, to our events, uh, to our venues. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But we also need to say, okay, how can you get yourself invited? Because when you're invited, yeah. they want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. You and you have more, so it's actually, just much different. You have, have much more credibility as well. And it's less awkward because yeah. <laughs> they're asking you the so, questions. So there's so many benefits. So, man, it's interesting to say that because one of the models that we discovered. So I would say I feel like I'm an accidental leader. I, I didn't set out to be <laughs> uh, like I didn't set out to be a community engagement leader. I'm known as the community engagement guy here in Australia, right? I'm like, mm. I don't know how I got there. All I know is I couldn't lead a local church that all it ever did, that, that the people attending my church thought their only responsibility was to get somebody to church on a Sunday, right? Yeah. So... So we here's what we discovered. We reverse it. This is this is the this is the four steps that most churches do. They invite people, then they include them, 
then they value them and then they get to know them. I would suggest that a missional church does the exact opposite. It first mm. gets to know the community and the people in it. It values them. Wow. Uh, then you in, then you, you get included wow, in wow, the community wow. and then they invite you. It's the complete opposite of what every church does. I'm I'm getting goosebumps. That was that's exciting. That's exactly the direction. I love that. Wow, yeah. that's powerful. So that's that's the rethink, right? So I, I would yeah. suggest to any church, if you want, from as Paul and I say, from now on, if you really want to see the gospel expand across the world, you've actually got to rethink all of your models because they're mm-hmm. typically mm-hmm. not working. And most, I, I can't say that I can't say the church, but it's a very significant church. I know a guy that worked there for twenty something years, and he said that every two years they turned over seventy percent of their people. Oh no! And it was a massive oh, no. church, and so all of the attention was, how do we refill seventy percent? And he said most of it was transfer growth all the time. Yeah. So they looked like they were growing. They looked like they were incredible, but everybody was getting exhausted trying to fill fill seats on Sundays. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think one of that that brings up a big question. I know I don't you know we don't want this podcast to be just for leaders. We want it to be for everybody. But I think one yeah one thing we do have to talk about is what do we mean by what's working? Because I think this is where it kind of leads into the kingdom stuff. Is that if our aim is simply to build a church or a ministry, then, you know, the old models do work for that. But that's not the vision, mm-hmm. is it? That's not what we're trying to do. That's certainly not what Jesus intended. Jesus intended we advance God's kingdom. So so if we're just building uh, churches that are, are just taking people from one church to another and we're the latest fashionable church, if we're honest with ourselves and we say, well, actually, I'm all about my ministry and all about my church, then, yeah, you can do that and it will work. It'll probably work for a season, then something bigger and better will come along, right? Mm-hmm. But if yeah, we exactly. really <clears throat> try to align ourselves with Jesus, then actually it's about advancing his kingdom. If they come to our church, great, but really that's not the point. It's that we get them into the family of God somewhere mm-hmm. and that yeah. we reach people and connect with people. So I think what Paul's just said is so significant in that we need a different we need different models and we all have different models that we can look at. And, um, you know, if there are pastors out there, they may come up with their own model, which is fine. We have models to help them. And and if there are individuals out there, we have um, templates to help them as well. But I think one of the yeah. things we have to fundamentally ask ourselves is do a little bit of a deep dive inside ourselves and ask, what is my objective? How aligned is it to yeah. Jesus? Yeah, and exactly. even as individuals, you know, is my life, is my life about advancing God's kingdom or is it really just about mm. having a better life now that God blesses, you know? Yeah. Awesome. I, I, what I want to do next is I want to uh, center this on, onto something. Uh, for those listening, uh, this this podcast, Life on Mission, is, is all about, you know, um, you listening, but you getting equipped and encouraged and, and, and just uh, empowered for the ministry that that God has purposed for your life, the talents that he has for you. Romans 12, 2 says, you know, uh, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's the key part, so that you can test and approve God's good, pleasing and perfect will for your life. And so that's what our hope is. And so what we're going to be doing through this podcast, especially for this first season of the podcast, is uh, we're going to go through a series with Paul Gibbs about uh, kingdom-centric uh, way of thinking and living. And I think any type of template, model, whatever you put your hands to, your life on, it needs to have a strong foundation. Yes, that's Jesus. But what did Jesus come to introduce? What did Jesus come to uh, build and advance his kingdom? So that's why we want to focus uh, a little bit more on this strong foundation, because when I talk to different countries, I'm going to be interviewing Uh, PACE teams all over the world. I'm going to be talking to their leaders. I'm going to be talking to their teams. And what are they doing to advance the kingdom of God there? What is going on in their community and how are they reaching them with this kingdom-centric lifestyle? So what I want to do now, gentlemen, is just, okay, kingdom-centric. What does that even mean? What's the theology behind it? Why do we need to build everything on that? Okay, gentlemen. Well, maybe I I can answer that, but maybe would it be possible if Paul can just talk about the whole rethink it thing first, just to set set that up? Is that possible? 
Yeah, sure. Look, um, uh, look, uh, I wrote Rethink It just uh, a year or so ago, and I wrote it off the based off that scripture, actually, Manny, which you just quoted. Uh, because oh, wow. most people think growth comes by revival or we need a move of God or uh, mm. you know, all of that sort of thing. Uh, in fact, you know, again, I often, for the generation that needs to reach their generation, the worst thing we can tell them is there's a move of God coming. I'm, I, I know what they, I, I know what totally they mean, right. and, and yeah. I get it, and it feels great, yeah. but it doesn't equip them. So what it does is, and what, this is what happened to me, because I grew up in a revival culture as well. So what it did was it taught me one day something magnificent is going to happen, so I'll just go to work. Uh, so I'll just Until. Know, go fishing in my boat. I'll just play basketball. I'll just, And then when that comes one day, I'll get into it. Uh, so it's a it's actually a terrible way to think about the kingdom. Here's how I think yeah. about kingdom and church. If you're church-centric senior pastor, if you find yourself spending most of your time, attention, and budget trying to get Sundays to work, uh, the difference between and when you're church-centric, you tend to um, be competitive because the guy down mm. the road, I had you know in my city, I would have twenty Pentecostal churches within a five-kilometre square radius of me. And if I was church-centric, <laughs> wow. I'd be a stress ball trying to compete yeah. with those guys you know, down the road. Rethink It was about this idea that you grow not by have adding more knowledge to your life. You're probably going to grow because you unlearn what you currently know and relearn what God's trying to teach you. In fact, the knowledge you currently have might be stopping you from being the person God wants you to be. We typically, Oof. we typically, when we think God's got us doing something, we better go do a course, we better go upskill, we better go train, which are all fine and we all need them. But I've learned in my life, there's so many preconceived cultural things. Take the disciples. You know, Jesus wasn't on the on the mount with them in Matthew 5. He wasn't teaching them. He was getting them to unlearn decades of culture. He's saying yeah, things yeah. like, he's saying like, you've heard it said, you know, an mm-hmm, eye for an mm-hmm. eye, a tooth for a tooth. He's saying, listen, boys, you have to unlearn that. You don't, it's not eye for an yeah. eye. It's bless your enemy. It's pray yeah, for them. Come on. It's give them the shirt. So, so I would challenge anybody and say, if you have not had to confront old cultural models, church, personal, or otherwise, on a regular basis, you're probably not here in the Holy Spirit, which is scary, right? Because then we look at church. Church essentially has hardly changed in the last 60 years. Last thing, and I'll let Paul go for it. Here's the question I ask all senior pastors. Is it possible for people in your city to come to know Jesus if they don't like singing sermons and announcements? (laughs) Now, I hope do, so. <laughs> do I want people to hear singing sermons? Of course I do. But my question is, have you, like the Bible says that the, the gate to heaven is narrow, but we've made it so narrow, hardly anybody can get in. So a better way to think about it is, yes, Sunday is one of the avenues that people might come to Christ. But what about the other six days? And yeah. the way we changed our church was not community programs. I just taught everybody in my church what they do on Monday is God's given call for their life. They never have to leave their job and do my job to feel spiritual. No, not at all. That's so good. I like that. So I think, wow. yeah. So I just going to segue from that. Um, you know, the verse that comes to my mind is that the light came into this world, but the world did not recognize it. Uh, mm. And the question that I, I, I want to ask is why, 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 why after all the prophecies, after all the understanding, why is it that we didn't recognize uh, the light of the world? And it's it's not because we don't know what God looks like. It's because we've decided in advance what he looks like, it seems to me. So similar to what Paul's saying, we, we've already got this preconceived idea of what it's going to look like. And of course, God often moves in mysterious and different ways. And, and we just don't recognize him because we've already decided what he looks like. And so we have to open our mindset. So for me... Um, Paul was talking about church-centric, and and I would say this idea of church-centric comes from what I would call Christian-centric. So, so for me, 
just talking about the kingdom centric and we're going to get look into the theology of this over the next few podcasts and stuff and how it applies to all sorts of areas in our lives but the basic uh, idea was i was in a church fantastic church great people probably the best church i've ever known for loving people in a leaders meeting and i remember we were discussing things and i remember sitting back on my chair and thinking is this a different religion um wow. is this, it just, it <laughs> wow. just, just and it was partly of course it wasn't in one sense you know it was christian i, I, I ne- never ever doubted people's salvation in that room or anything like that they were wonderful wonderful people many many of them more spiritual than me but the way we approached what we were doing was was two different angles we're coming from two different angles and i'll explain this one day in a different podcast but for me eventually what that led to was this idea of the contrast between uh, sorry christian centric and kingdom centric which is one of the themes that we're going to be talking about so christian centric being i pursue my my vision i do it god's way so god will give me what i want so this idea i'm going to you know read the bible i'm going to pray i'm going to do all the things i should do in order that God blesses my life, because God wants to bless me, right? It's all about me. And <laughs> yeah. kingdom-centric is more, I seek God's kingdom, I do it God's way, so I give him what he wants. And for me, that's, my life has been, I, I backslid, came back to the Lord, and when I came back to the Lord, I, I came back to a different type of Christianity from the one I previously had. And gradually, I've been on this road to become gradually more kingdom centric it's become you know very simply you could say it's more about him and less about me but more specifically it's been less about me pursuing my vision and god's way so that i get what god has for me and more i've been seeking the kind of world that god wants the kind of kingdom that god wants uh, putting his vision first doing it his way so that I can give him what he wants. And for me, that's the prism through which everything else um, changes or pivots, you know? So yeah. how we pray, how we read the Bible, how we even look at righteousness and what is righteousness, what, what really is righteousness, discipleship, um, giving, um, serving, all these different things. We'll look at different in different podcasts. But all of them, as we, as we seek first the kingdom, that's my motivation for living a life on mission you know, not living a life on ministry, right? So it's not about my ministry, it's about his mission. And and what would happen if what would happen if there was a if 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 his mission was took presence over my ministry, you know? So there are certain things I love to do for God, uh, things I enjoy doing that kind of fit with my gifting and talents. But what if there were more effective ways that weren't quite so as enjoyable? Now I love serving God. <laughs> But what would what would take precedence? Would it be his mission or would it be my ministry? And wow, these yeah. kind of more internal things that I think we have to deal yeah. with. And so that's where the kingdom centric thing comes. So life on mission is only something you're gonna be really truly interested in if you have a passion to give God what he wants. And what he wants, you know, is yeah, souls, people who don't know him. It's his desire that everybody would know him. And um yeah, yeah so I mean I'm there's a lot there that I'm just kind of Tipping well, I think, Paul, I think that's heart. really important because, you know, both you and I, even as you talk, you can hear our passion. What What's happened is something in us has changed. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a church kid as well. I, I got saved at six years of age. You know, no no um, drug and alcohol testimony, thankfully, at six. Uh, you know, I'm a church <laughs> kid. But something happened in me when I was about 13, uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed me forever. That I just, uh, and, and I know it's what sustains me. It's not that I have a high capacity. It's that I can just keep hearing the Holy Spirit. Well, if you stay close to the Holy Spirit, it keeps you close to mission. God is into mission, but not mission without God. And yeah, so yeah. Come on. If, you, if you stay with God, you won't lose mission, but you can get on mission and lose God. So I, I think it's wow. really, really important there, both hearing from Paul and I, this is about, our encounter with Jesus first and, and and how he does it from there. See, to me, you know, if you talk theology, John chapter 17, there's this weird conversation going on between God and Jesus, right? They, they both know the calibre of disciples they have and they're worried and they don't, they don't know what to do with them. Jesus is about to ascend to heaven and they're thinking, what are we going to do with these guys? And Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says to his father, he says, what about this? Just as you sent me into the world, 
why don't we send them into the world? And so to me, the church or the or kingdom has a direction, and the direction yeah. is into the world. So again, here's another question. I like asking senior pastors good questions. Another question I ask senior pastors. If the direction of the church is into the world, why do you spend all your time trying to get them to come to you? <laughs> yeah. Is it bad? So yeah. Sorry, go on, Paul. Go, Paul. go on, Paul. Sorry. No, you go, Paul. It's fine. I'm done. No, I was going to say, it is about these personal questions, isn't it? Whether we're leaders, you know, whether um, those who are listening are church leaders or whether, you know, we've just recently become Christian. It's, it's about that. It's about the pivot. It's about the direction of our heart. And yeah. in one of the podcasts, we'll talk about this this Hebrew concept that never gets talked about in church, but actually is is the thing that Jesus constantly addressed. There was a question. I won't share it now, but there's a question that Jesus was constantly addressing in his teaching that was present in the day, and it was all about the direction of the heart. And so often Jesus talks about the heart, um, yeah. and that's going to be one of the key the key things that i think is as people listen to the podcast is going to be constant kind of encouragement to maybe change the direction of our heart or realign the direction of our heart with god and from that will come a life on mission yeah Yeah. gentlemen I, i i this is powerful and and very personal and i'd love to hear your journey and how this you know, rethink transformation is going, how this, okay, fundamental of kingdom-centric has changed the way that you uh, think of ministry and missions, Paul. Um, my, my question to both of you, uh, both with these revelations and implementing them both into your life and the things that God has you doing, have you seen any type of significant impact in people's lives around you? It'd be great to hear some some short testimonies about you seeing, okay, this not only transformed me, but if it is a heavens thing, you know, Paul Paul has said this one thing, and I, I, I stole it from him, and I say it everywhere. <laughs> you know, uh, humans, we can do anything without God, just about anything. We can do it on our own. The only thing we cannot do is is salvation. That That's yeah. just impossible. We can do pretty much everything on our own. The thing is, is that if we do it, then we have to maintain it, right? But if God downloads something into us and wants us to do something— and we're on board for him, and, and we do it with him, we co-labor with him, then then it's up to him to maintain it because it's, yeah. a, it's a God thing. So he's downloaded in both of you this revelation of how to just rethink the way that we build the local church and, and, and equip people and so on and, and kingdom-centric mentality. Have you seen any significant impact with yeah. this? Yeah. Do you go for yeah. a poll? Oh, sure. Well, look, um, big picture. So let's talk about my local church. Again, just as I said at the start, most people think because I'm the community engagement guy, I'll help them run great programs. Probably can do that, but it's not really what it's about. The reason why, so my church became the church our city couldn't live without. And I I, I know that sounds a bit cliche, but we researched it. 73% of our community, when asked, my church's name was Lighthouse, when asked what do they think about when they hear the word Lighthouse, I live by the beach. We have two physical lighthouses. They're white with rotating flashing lights. When my community was asked that, they should have said, oh, when we think of lighthouse, we think of the tall building that flashes the light. 73% of the community said lighthouse is a church that helps people. Come on. So that's a big picture. But But here's how we changed it. Not because of the programs, though we had them, because my people started going to work like it was their mission field. Yeah. When they started to do that, we, we I would finish Sunday sermon every week with what we call the Monday prayer, Ephesians 2.10. Pray this every Monday morning. You are God's workmanship, made in Christ Jesus to do good things. Guess what? Mm-hmm. That he's prepared in advance yes. for you to do. So, Lord, today yeah. I wake up with my eyes open and my ears open, ready to hear and see what you've already prepared me to do. When we did that, that changed our church. So when that got better. Secondly, on a personal note, you said uh, my involvement with the basketball. So I wasn't (laughs) the coach. I was the chaplain of the basketball Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you have NBA. We have NBL. Mind you, we've got a few of our guys in your NBA, Paddy Mills, 
Josh Giddy's in there at the moment. We've got about 15 Aussies in the NBA. We've got quite Come a on. few Americans in our team. So I was the chaplain for 17 years. I started off the back of a revival culture. And I said to the Lord, I'm glad I've got this position. Hopefully people are going to come to Jesus straight away and I'll move on to the next thing. Well, the first day I turn up, the coach says to me, hey, Rev, I'm going to tell you your job description. I said, oh, great. This will be great. He said, stay out of my way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, I'm like, what? so I got offended and I said to the Lord, well, I'm not. I'm not staying here. There's no way I'm staying here. I'm not wanted. And the Lord said to me, Paul, what if this is, isn't about you? What if it's about <laughs> lost people? And yes. here's, what I, here's what I had to learn, and this is where I personally changed, and it's what I've taught people to do since, is most churches disciple people from the day they come to church. I had to learn to disciple people to Christ, then to church. Mm. And so what happens in the first six years of being a chaplain these basketballers who didn't want me around, it was a bit awkward. I just started filling up the water bottles. I started wiping the sweat off the floor. There was no job that was below me that I wouldn't do for that team. I turned wow. up early. I stayed late. I served them with everything I got. After about six years, some of the players, hey, Rev, can we have a coffee? Do you want to have lunch? I start getting invited to the parties or the dinners or the home of the players or whatever it was. Fast forward 17 years, I led nine of those basketballers to the Lord. They're scattered yeah, all around the world. I learned, how, I learned how to disciple people who, by the way, because of their job, couldn't come to church because they played professional sport. So, that, so I had oh, to disciple yeah. men to Christ who wanted to get to church eventually but couldn't, and it taught me a really valuable lesson. My what I must do on earth is teach every Christian to disciple people to Jesus first and maybe the church second. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, just briefly for me, I'm going to use the big picture, small picture that Paul, Paul shared. Big picture. Um, early on in my journey, I think becoming more kingdom centric, I uh, was asked to repurpose a church in Manchester. Um, first thing we did was already beginning to understand the mission rather than just simply the ministry. So uh, we had a local policeman in our church and I said to him, hey, you know, where's the where's the worst area uh, in this community we've just kind of come into? And he said, well, there's a place called Dean Street and on Dean Street, the problem used to be that um, gangs would come in and people would run into their homes to escape. But now mm. the gangs are knocking on their door uh, the people are going upstairs. The gangs are, are living downstairs for the night, raiding the fridge, using the TV, oh touching the house. And then the people come down in the morning. If you can help there, you can help anywhere. Um, so that's what we did. You know, we had people, people actually moved in. So people left where they lived and rented homes in that area. A couple of people even bought homes in that area. And we partnered with other organizations. There was Pays. There was a church I was leading. There was another organization called The Message, which is from the UK. And we just worked together. And I felt God, God said to me, build a, a ministry, build a vision with blurred edges so nobody knows exactly who's doing what. So it's more <laughs> about the kingdom awesome. rather than a particular ministry. Yeah. So, and that changed. That, that community changed. Within a couple of years, we actually won a government um, award um, for, kingdom, for, for um, transformation for a community. In fact, the, it changed so much, the local council decided they would put a park in. They would kind of, well, they kind of, there was kind of space there that was a bit of a mess. It was turned into a park. And they asked the people, what, you know, what, what should we call this park? And the non-Christians said, let's call it the Eden Park, uh, based on the kind of project we were running, this kind of idea of Eden from the Bible. The council said no. <laughs> surprisingly um, <laughs> but that you know that was that was amazing for us to see that transformation to actually see a community change and become a much nicer community and it wasn't because we poured money into it because we poured people who were living life on mission into it and then i guess from a more personal uh, position and situation just even in my community I, i've always felt like i need to let people know i'm a christian without you know you know me i'm not like a shouter i don't go around shouting things but quietly helping people and chatting to people. And and what I've noticed, um, I'm just about people we've led to the Lord and we have, is how people, 
they know about you and at the right time they come and seek you out so mm-hmm. um, rather than me pushing they end up pulling the gospel from me and i can think of a few occasions you know back in manchester everybody in the community knew i was a christian uh, they just just found out and i found out they would gossip about me but in a kind of positive way and remember uh, a next door i remember going out one let me one instance i was going to a conference and I was putting my bags back in the in the car, and my next door neighbour who'd hoped to talk about Jesus for a long time, but not had the opportunity, came out and said, "Hey, Paul, where are you going?" I said, "I'm just going off to another part of this country." And he said, "Oh, can we have a chat?" I said, "Sure, yeah, I'm just going out when I come back. Is that okay?" And he said, "Yes," but the Holy Spirit said, "No," you know. So I thought, "Okay, I need to go and talk to him right now." So I went in, went to his house, and he said, "Hey, Paul, um, I don't even notice, but my 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 wife has not been around." last couple of weeks and um, he said that the problem is you may not know this but she used to her past life she was a prostitute and um, we've been having some marital issues and I just heard from her sister call me to say that um, my wife has been out at night and uh, on the way home oh. when she's not had money for the taxi she's been offering sexual favors to the taxi driver to to bring her back home and and anyway, he tells me all this story, and then he says, "So, Paul, I know you're a Christian. What should I do?" <laughs> oh, and, it's, wow. and it's interesting. And this is many, many years ago. And, and this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to pull out my pastor's business card and say, "Well, come to church. Here's my pastor. He'll tell you what to do." And that was one of the awakening times for me to realise I'm not equipped. You know, I'm praying God use me, influence me. But in that situation, I mean, I, hopefully God did give me some things to say that helped him. But the reality was, I felt completely unprepared. You know. More recently, I've been in situations similar to that where people know who you are and, and just out randomly, they just suddenly start to pull from you and they meet you and they shout out, oh, come and talk to us about God or whatever it is. I feel a bit more prepared now. So for me, the transformation has been who I can be in the community. I can be that person where people may not go to church, but they know someone they can talk to about the things of God. And that's been a real mm. blessing for me in my life in in, in the community I live right now and the community I used to live in in England as well is I love that I just love the fact that people have someone they can go to you know so that's yeah. powerful wow thank you gentlemen um I want to I want I've heard a lot like just scripture wise theology personal wise about you know how you are being equipped and how you're equipping others but I was just hoping like it just to like uh, shift it to what are you gentlemen doing you know to uh to to train those that you have influence over um to tangibly understand you know for you paul Ozzy paul like to rethink what 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 tools do you give them tangibly and then paul gives with the kingdom centric after yeah that Aussie Paul tag might stick as well i'm in america in a few (laughs) weeks i i might end up being known as Aussie paul Uh, (laughs) hey uh yeah look i think for us a couple of things. Uh, Post COVID, leading, you know, my role leading about 300 plus churches, I, would, I invited Paul actually. I'm, I'm going somewhere this because I'm going to recommend Pays first and foremost, and not because I'm on this podcast, but because what <laughs> happened was Paul was the right guy at the right time in Australia in terms of Pays. In fact, I said to Paul, Paul, you remember, I think I was speaking to your international team, and I equated Pays as this COVID. Uh, put us in lockdown and every parent had to homeschool their kids, right? Particularly in Australia, we were the lockdown nation. So you had to homeschool. The the people that were not remotely bothered by homeschooling their kids during COVID were the parents that were already homeschooling. Yeah. And they're like, (laughs) nothing's changed, right? And I said to Paul and Pays, I said, my revelation is this. Pays is that. Pays is what everybody should have been doing all the time. Mm. But because of COVID or because of the changing world, Pays has now come to the forefront. Pa- wow. Pays wasn't, isn't bothered during the changing seasons of church because mm. they stay on the mission of discipling people to Christ, right? Mm, Pays does what it does in and out of chaos and crisis and changing churches. So I will say I brought Paul or Paul was out. And Paul spoke to about, um, I reckon, 80 leaders of the largest churches in our movement. So here's here's what was both good and shocking. These people lead the largest churches in our nation, and they were listening to Paul talk about discipleship 
and they were loving it so much. But the concern for me was, why is this a new thought? Yeah, yeah exactly. These people exactly. have been leading churches for 20 years. Paul Gibbs shares on how to disciple people to Christ. They're lapping it up. And I'm like, I am both, <laughs> I'm in awe and shocked at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other words, what on earth have we been doing? Look, off the back of that, we have created for our whole movement, we call it a menu, a menu of discipleship um, pathways to which pays is definitely one of them and up there. And that churches can use to suit their style of church. Because look, what mm. we what we're not doing is we're not overtaking the church where yeah. uh, we recognize transformation is a journey, not it's not an abrupt thing. And yeah. so yeah. we want to we want to take people on the journey of change, not tell them they must change. In fact, last story, going back to what we said right along this thread along this podcast today is you can't change unless you get the revelation from Jesus himself. Yeah. Otherwise, it's law and it's legality, and it won't work. You have yeah. to get this deep, okay, I'm changing, therefore I can change my church or my, my environment. You know, So that I would definitely recommend PAYS uh, as the prominent uh, pathway that we encourage people to do. So Thanks good. Yeah. yeah, so we, um, what, I mean, there are lots of things we do. We have a, a YouTube playlist with training on that that people can go if they go onto YouTube and put in PAYS movement. We have our apprenticeship so if there are young adults out there kind of 18 to 35 and they want to do a gap year or a mission year or even go into ministry we have a one two and three year program so we can train people like that but if you know just just normal people are out there at work and they want to know how to share their faith or how to disciple someone or how to study the, the bible in such a way that we can they can help their friends study the bible we have what we call templates so normally four steps simple practical ways to to um, apply to any situation so we have a template for evangelism uh, how to reach anyone anywhere that helps people understand how to get themselves invited into a conversation or invited into some a place to share their faith we have one on bible study that helps people understand how to study anything with anyone to help their friends and neighbors so one of the issues we have right is you're at work your friend has a question um what do we do right now well we're basically equipped to bring them to church maybe bring them to a bible study but what if the bible study is in no way relevant to the question they have right now would yeah. it be great if there's a way to sit them down and say what's your question okay let me show you how to find answers in the bible to that question and that's the way we do bible study so how to study anything with anyone and the discipleship you know if you're you are you have some kind of gift in you know you know why you want to do something you know what you want to do and you and you know how to do it where you want to reproduce what god's taught you in others we have a discipleship template how to disciple anyone in anything so no matter what god has taught you you can use these four steps to teach others uh, exactly what that is whether it's a spiritual principle or a practical principle or wherever it might be so yeah there's just no end of, of stuff really and you can go to pays.life the website to find out more and of course we've got the uh, the summit coming up as well that paul and i are doing in texas yes and can you tell uh, us yeah, a little bit about that. that that sounds really exciting this kingdom centric summit what's going on yeah. there well I'll, I'll just share briefly and maybe paul can fill in um, some stuff but essentially um i found there were lots of churches saying to me we know we want to make disciples we know we want to do things differently but we don't know how so, you know, mm. we, we don't want to simply attract people. We want to empower people. But every time we go to a conference, we're told how to attract people. Nobody's showing us how to empower people. So this idea of what would a kingdom-centric church look like, it's not a conference, it's more of a summit. So we'll be presenting practical ideas and thoughts and principles and then discussing them as church leaders. So it's for church leaders. It's in March. It's in Arlington, Texas. Um it's not going to be a gigantic conference. It's aimed for, for more discussion. Uh, so we've got people signing up now. I've actually forgot the actual date. I don't know if I've used it. Yeah, March 19th, March 20th. March 19th. Thank you. Um, so it's in Arlington, Texas. Um, and yeah, it's going to be great. Paul and I will be there. Um, 
sharing ideas and thoughts and leading the discussion. There'll be some great food as well. And we're looking for church pastors, youth pastors, people who are actively involved in leading churches who want to come and think through, kind of in a safe space, what could the church look like? And I just want to emphasize something Paul said, which is really important. I, I get caught between two groups. I've got these groups of kind of radical guys who are like, the church is done with, the church is over. You know, we just have to meet in, in random places now. We get need to get rid of the structures, which I don't agree with. And then I've got other friends who are like, the only thing God can ever do is through an actual local church system mm. or structure. But I think what Paul and I are doing, we believe very much in local church. We don't believe in ripping up everything the local church has ever done, but we believe there's a there's a beyond. So it's going beyond what we're doing right now. God has taught us things over, you know, centuries, and that's where we are right now. But there's another there's another move forward, and and that's what we're trying to do is help. So we're going to present. I'm going to be presenting some tweaks that we can make to certain areas of what we do in church that um, can help us become more kingdom centric, because a Christian centric church will not produce kingdom centric followers of Jesus. So it's a yeah. discussion. It's an open invitation. Uh, people can, can go to pays.life to find out more details or look on Eventbrite um, uh, for Kingdom Centric uh, Summit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Look, I think Paul and I are complementary in terms of uh, Paul's definitely like the how guy. I, I'm like the, I'm the rethink it guy. So I'm going to, uh, I don't know why, again, I, accidental, I didn't plan to be this. But for some reason, I have the ability to help people see a different perspective yeah. uh, from possibly the same scripture. And, uh, you know, I wrote, thank God it's Monday, Sunday's not enough. That was my first book. I wrote that because it's true. Uh, if you mm. build around a Sunday, we cannot reach this world. I like Paul. No. I'm so thankful that while I've been teaching hundreds of churches across Australia, around the world about rethinking and thank God it's Monday, I'm so thankful that I was a senior pastor while doing it. Because yeah. I'm for the church. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to do that outside of the church. Yeah. But having said that, I think my role is to hold the mirror. Uh, I often think about um, the disciple Peter who had a lot of ego. And in my culture, with somebody with a problem, we bring them down the front of the church. We put our hands on them and we cast out the cast out the ego or the pride. But Paul didn't need a miracle. Uh, sorry, Peter didn't need a miracle. Peter needed a miracle. Uh, so he needed a mirror, rather. He needed a mirror. He needed <laughs> to see himself deny yeah. Jesus. The, yeah. only way, wow. the only way Peter changed was when he said, Jesus, I will never deny you. And then he watched and heard himself say the very things he thought he wouldn't. And I think the only way to change is we've got to hold the mirror to our methods, our structures, and our direction. And honestly, honestly, look at them and say, is this still what Jesus wants? Excellent. And unless we do that, there's no change. So I think Paul will bring the how at the summit. I'll bring the rethink. Let's look at this from a different perspective. And, you know, not only that, 25 years of experience where I've seen and helped hundreds and hundreds of churches across the globe do that effectively and really become the churches that their cities can't live without. So that's what we'll do. I think it'll be really powerful. As Paul said, I don't think it's huge, but it'll be definitely worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. So good. For those that can make it, I think this is really great because what I can feel here and understand it, it's not just theory that you're going to bring, but it's just tangible ap application. It's going to be raw and it's going to be something that they can use in their personal life, but also the mission that God has for them. So it's going to be really good. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining uh, uh, on our very first podcast, the wisdom, the synergy, just the, the you know, heaven's uh, download of wisdom that you brought here. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you very yeah. much. No, thank, thank you. Yes. Man. Thanks, for, thanks for hosting. And Paul, thanks so much for, for being part of this. It's just, you're such an inspiration to so many that I know you're so successful at what you do, and yet you're still willing to do things differently. I think that's just incredible. So thank you. Thanks, yeah. Paul. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, and for those uh, listening, stay tuned. We are going to be um, hopefully...
hopefully putting out a podcast every week. And this season, I'll be having Paul join me at least once a month, and we're going to be going through the kingdom-centric and different atmospheres of life, like he said, through prayer and and, and through Bible study and, and many other different aspects of that. The other weeks, we'll be interviewing different uh, PACE teams and leaders in the countries that they're out at and, and how they're reaching them. So stay tuned. This very next podcast that we're going to have, we're going to be joining the PACE team in Arlington, Texas. So I'm really excited about talking to their leaders and team there. Be blessed, and um, you'll hear from us soon. Okay.